When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What if I told you we can cure your cancer? And what's more, give you abilities most men only dream of. We won't just make you better. We will make you better than better. You're probably thinking, my boyfriend said this was a superhero movie, but that guy in the red suit just turned that other guy into a fucking kebab. Well, I may be super, but <laughs> I am no hero. Imagine a world where doctors could repair damaged tissues or organs with a patient's very own cells. What have you done to me? I've cured you, Wade. Your mutated cells can heal anything. We may be on the path to a new technology in which, quite literally, we will be growing new body parts. It's called regenerative medicine. An adult salamander can regenerate its limbs, its tail, including spinal cord, its eyes, its jaws, portions of the brain. Motherfucker, you are hard to look at. Like a testicle with teeth. It looks like Freddy Krueger face-fucked a topographical map of Utah. So salamanders regenerate lots of different organs, and they're telling us that it is possible as an adult animal to regenerate complex structures. You may be wondering why the red suit. Well, that's so bad guys can't see me bleed. Regenerative medicine is the future. You know the funniest part of this? You still think we're making you a superhero. Hello and welcome to Science Dish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. Uh, it's my turn and we're going to be looking at the Marvel film Deadpool. Oh, seen it? Good film, yeah, yeah. I have. Very good, very funny. Yeah. A uh, guy called Wade Wilson, played by Ryan Reynolds, whose superpower is that he can regenerate any part of his body very quickly. Um, he also has cancerous tumours throughout his body that his superpower is kind of keeping in check. Right, swings and roundabouts. It is, really. So the big question this week is, will we ever be able to regenerate limbs? <laughs> You're excited, aren't you? I am, actually. So as soon pumped. as I, I knew I was going to love this, and when I started reading about this stuff, well, I texted you, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, I just did. like, this is gold. <laughs> it's so good. There's some stuff in here. That you're, you're just, it beggars belief. So uh, which total legend have we found to talk to us about this? Do you know what? We've got the absolute Dom. In terms of kind of regeneration research, he's the man. Right. Uh, Professor Michael Levin, who is, amongst other things, the director of the Centre for Regenerative and Developmental Biology at Tufts University. <sighs> he's the guy. Right. He's the absolute guy. Okay. So how do we start? 
So we asked him to introduce us to the, the field of regenerative medicine because that covers actually a lot of different areas of research. So most of the stuff that you hear about is to do with biomaterials and, and transplants. But that's not what we're interested in. No, <laughs> what no, we're no, interested no, no. in is Michael's area, which is to do with endogenous repair. Regenerative medicine comprises a number of different efforts. On the one hand, to attempt to stimulate endogenous repair or the ability of the organism itself to rebuild or heal damaged tissues. There are also approaches having to do with transplantation, whether from human tissues, from animals, or from tissues grown in vitro in a petri dish or some other bioreactor. Then there are some other technologies such as gene therapy and hybrid devices made of living and non-living materials. And the purpose of all of this is to repair and augment the structure and function of living things. Our specific area has to do with the stimulation of endogenous repair. My lab works to understand how cells cooperate towards building and then repairing complex anatomical structures. And the idea is that if we understood how three-dimensional structure is regulated in terms of the cell's ability to repair and construct it, then we will be able to basically address most of the problems of biomedicine. For example, fixing birth defects, addressing traumatic injury, aging, degenerative disease, lots of different things that all hinge on the ability to direct cells to build complex structures. Mr. Wilson, my name's Ajax. This workshop is not a government-led program. It's a private institution that turns reclamation projects like yourself into men of extraordinary abilities. But if you think superhuman powers are acquired painlessly, well... I'm injecting you with a serum that activates any mutant genes lurking in your DNA. For it to work, we need to subject you to extreme stress. You've heard the whole making omelet break some eggs bit, right? Humans have some regenerative ability. So, for example, human skin is uh, quite regenerative. The human liver can regenerate after a uh, resection. Even human children can regenerate their fingertips. So somewhere below the ages of between 7 and 11, we lose that ability. But human children can actually regenerate their fingertips if they are amputated past the last knuckle. Some other mammals are even better. So, for example, deer will regenerate uh, large amounts of uh, bone and uh, innervation, meaning their antlers, every year. So they can grow up to a centimeter and a half of new bone per day when they're regenerating their antlers. But humans are fairly limited to some specific organs like the liver and then some tissues like the intestinal lining and so on. So we already do some regeneration then? We do, yeah. So the human body is constantly regenerating, but some cells just get replaced much more quickly than others. So as Michael mentioned, liver cells replaced every kind of three to 500 days. So quite quickly. Yeah, not um, bad. Skeleton, so bone cells, uh, replaced more like every 10 years. But it's a constant cycle. It's not like you wholesale suddenly get a new liver. It's just constantly kind of changing yeah. gradually. But some parts of us never change. So bits of the brain, the lens of your eye, some bits just stop growing or being replaced. So enamel on your on, on your wisdom teeth stops growing when you're about 12. Visual cortex doesn't grow at all once you've been born. So it's 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 really, it's, it's, it varies. Like red blood cells replace every 120 days. Right, yeah. So there's room for improvement. Yeah, we've got some way to go. Like there's, there's a lot of animals that are doing a lot more regeneration. 
especially amphibians, which we'll talk about in a bit. But most animals don't have the ability to regrow whole body parts. We think because nature is selective for scarring over regeneration, just because it, 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 it's so much quicker. Like you basically do a quick repair job and then you're, you're good to go versus the very um, energy-intensive and time-intensive process of regrowth, full regrowth. So for mammals, for example, they have high metabolism, demanding energetically. So probably just couldn't afford, you think about it, you're going to have to hide away and recover for weeks and weeks if you're going to try and grow a whole new limb again. If you've just, or if you've just lost your hand. Yeah, yeah. It's actually better in terms of your chances of survival. If you just get on with it, heal over, and then um, and move. So losing a limb, I mean, it's bad for us, isn't it? I mean, yeah, losing we, a limb. We scar. What, what's that about? Well, the, the, the process of it is uh, fibrosis. So animals use this fibrous connective protein, which you would have heard of, called collagen. Yeah. And that holds cells together. And like something ridiculous, like a third of the human body is collagen, I think. Um, and what happens is it's arranged in a, in a crisscross pattern in regular tissue, but scar tissue fibres are just aligned side by side. So that's why they have a different appearance. And so effectively... Normal tissue, healthy tissue, is like fabric that's all woven together, whereas scars are just sort of like stitches holding two pieces of fabric together. Does that make sense? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, and stitching's that. just faster than weaving. It's yeah. literally just that. So it's just much better for rapid repair. All right, quick fix. Yeah. So what do other animals do then? Well, there's some really good um, animal uh, regeneration going on out there. Uh, what is my favourite animal? The octopus. Yes, <laughs> and the, the male octopus, or, or just male uh, cephalopods generally, I think. They have one arm, and I've definitely mentioned this before, <laughs> it's called the uh, uh, hectocotylus. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that is, the, it's the thing that delivers uh, the sperm to the female. Basically, it's a dick arm. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone likes a dick arm. Um, and I, think, in... <laughs> I think you've actually referred to it as the arm dick. Oh, that was annoying. That's annoying. Yeah, okay, fine. Arm dick. Some of them, they actually sort of fall off. Well, they break off after they've copulated and it just sort of stays lodged in the female. <laughs> not, not ideal. <laughs> uh, but She's the, lucked um, out. But the, the hectocotylus, the arm dick, just regenerates. Just right, yeah. Grow yourself a new arm dick. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? It's all right, you can keep that, love. <laughs> Souvenir. <laughs> Something to remember me by. <laughs> I assume, I don't know this, I assume that at some point she expels it because you know who you are. <laughs> um, there's... Uh, uh, a horrible, horrible um, defense mechanism that sea cucumbers. I mean, sea cucumbers. Oh, they're, I, I like, they're not, they're I like nice, all animals. I genuinely do. I love all animals. I don't find any of them creepy. Sea cucumbers, I do struggle with a bit. And this fact about them doesn't make me like them anymore. As a defense of thing attack, they shit out their internal organs. <laughs> And there's a picture, you probably search it online, of a sea cucumber shit in turn organs out. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's unpleasant. It is unpleasant. Um, shit it out. And then, and then they just regrow it all. In a matter of weeks, just so, regrow the internal organs. I mean, as party tricks go, that's good. It's not bad. I mean, I don't know if it's an absolute winner. <laughs> Once again, ladies. <laughs> um, the, uh, there's a type of starfish called the, uh, the linkia that can regenerate its entire body 
from a single arm. Oh, you're kidding. That no, is I sick. am not kidding. That, I just, uh, I, I, I've just, I just got don't one, know. I've got one arm left. Yeah. All right, so are these the kinds of animals that Michael Levin looks at? Uh, well, yeah, so any animal that has those kind of abilities, we obviously want to understand, uh, just because I want to be able to shit out my internal organs one day, <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> um, but the animals that are actually at the centre of all of this uh, regenerative research that Michael's doing are salamanders yeah. and planarian worms. So we asked him to tell us what makes them so special. Salamanders are a very important model for regenerative medicine because an adult salamander can regenerate its limbs, its tail, including spinal cord, its eyes, its jaws, portions of the brain, ovaries, and so on. So salamanders regenerate lots of different organs, and they're telling us that it is possible as an adult animal to regenerate complex structures. Many studies have been done in salamander to identify some of the genes that are required for this uh, process. And uh, the future of the field is to understand the algorithms that are sufficient for the process. In other words, what are the cell-to-cell communication events that allow salamanders to rebuild specific structures, let's say a limb, and then stop precisely when it's done. So one of the most amazing things about regeneration is not simply that it rebuilds these damaged structures, but actually that it knows when to stop. Oh! Oh! oh. Canada! That's not good. Wade, please. Cockshot! Oh, your poor wife! <laughs> I promise this gets worse for you, big boy! This is embarrassing. Ah. Please, stay down. So the first thing that a damaged organism has to do is to realize that it's been damaged and that its current shape has been deviated from the appropriate target morphology for that species. So after having uh, detected that the pattern is, is wrong or incorrect, it then needs to be able to undertake steps to repair it. So all of the individual cells that participate in the process, and by the way, that's not just cells in the wound, that might be cells quite far away from the area of damage regeneration generation is generally a body-wide response. And so all of these cells need to know exactly what to do to regrow the correct structure at the correct place, correctly scaled, correctly oriented with respect to the rest of the organism. And then the final step is, of course, to know when it's finished. And so every step along the way is a complex biophysical, uh, genetic and computational process whereby all of these cells cooperate to produce exactly the right thing. You'll recover, Wayne. You always do. You ever see 127 hours? Spoiler alert. Oh my god. Nasty. Oh, there's the money shot, baby. Planarian flatworms are another incredibly important uh, species for regenerative research. The planaria are not uh, simple like earthworms. Planaria are true bilaterians. They have bilateral symmetry. They have a true brain. And uh, they're complex organisms with many organs and structures. Several uh, remarkable things about planaria include the fact that they can regenerate their entire body from even a small piece. So every fragment of the planarian, sort of like a hologram, every planarian has within it the information to rebuild the entire body, brain and all. And planaria are also immortal. Uh, nobody's ever seen an old planarian, as far as we know. They uh, continuously repair their entire body throughout uh, an extremely long, possibly unlimited uh, lifespan. The ability to regenerate is being studied in a number of ways. 
In my laboratory, we study the bioelectric processes by which uh, pieces of the planarian figure out what to rebuild. So the location of the tail, the head, how many heads, how many tails, all of these things are determined in part by a bioelectrical circuit carried out by the planarian. And in my group, we are studying how this works and how we can actually rewrite these pattern memories to allow planaria to regenerate patterns other than what the genomic default entails. Whoa. Yes. I mean, that's, that yes. is some stuff there. Uh, just one little question. Go on. I, I, I like the way he put this. He, he says sometimes they deviate from their target morphology, mm. by which he means something's gone horribly wrong. So how did we find out that salamanders can regrow all these body parts, for instance? Well, I mean, <laughs> when you hear... Uh, I've watched a couple of talks that Michael's done, and he's slightly... Um, uh, dances around the issue a little bit evasive like um you know they in the wild they'll often uh sort of you know bite off each other's limbs but ultimately it comes down to a bit of the old snip snip <laughs> i i i found this so fascinating and do find it fascinating but also quite gruesome and a bit unsettling but then the possible medical benefits do outweigh it but like axolotls which are a type of salamander that michael is experimenting on they are nearly extinct in the wild there's a large population in labs around the world um and they are having an absolutely fucking terrible time (laughs) is he deviating their target morphology slightly I i think he might be but they'll just regrow their arms they'll do it five times and then and then stop not quite sure why. Just like, oh, fucking give it up. <laughs> yeah, like, like... <laughs> yeah, this this is a waste of time. Like, I've got to learn my lesson here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> What's quite tough is they're, they're quite cute looking as yeah, well. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Axolotls. These yeah. little, um, they, they kind of look like Pokemon. And they're, um, they're uh, what's the word? Uh, neotenic. So they retain all of their juvenile features. So they're oh. very, and they've got these little like pink external yeah. gills. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. So does, does Michael, Michael's chopping the limbs? Does Michael shed a little tear every time he does it? I think he probably doesn't anymore. No. no. He may have done one day, but I think he's probably quite um, quite immune to it all. <laughs> well, luckily, the axolotls are as well. Five <laughs> so, times, anyway. Sort of, yeah. The first five times. Uh, so what's actually happening in a salamander when it's regenerating the limb that Michael's just um, so, severed? So after, and it isn't only Michael that's doing this, <laughs> to be fair to him. Yeah, I'm um, sure he's got lots of graduate students who are on this. Yes, uh, he probably farms out all of the, the, the dirty work, actually. Um, but after an amputation, the salamander bleeds very little. So it can seal off the wound within, you know, a, a matter of hours. Right. And similar to, to we would um, yeah. with, with scarring. Uh, and then cells migrate to the wound and they form a kind of a, a blob of cells called a blastema. And these cells, almost all of them in this blastema, are cells from nearby that somehow they're not there are some stem cells in there, but they're mainly cells that are have almost had their like internal clocks turned back to before they'd become the type of cell that they were in the body previously. So they're like they go back to their um sort of de-differentiated state. Yeah, okay. So effectively what you see in embryos. Yeah. And then from there, the blastema can turn into new whatever you need, bone, muscle, other other tissues. So then you can get a perfect new limb forming in miniature that then enlarges to the exact right size 
for its owner. So just like in Deadpool, when he gets that... When he's got the tiny baby hand. Creepy little (laughs) baby hand. That's incredibly authentic for what happens with with an axolotl limb. I love that. But like the the thing of these, this blasteme with these cells going back to a kind of juvenile, um, de-differentiated state is mad. Yeah. And and that's, uh, that's what Michael is trying to understand, really. Because if we could do that, then it would open up the opportunity to start serious regeneration in humans. Amazing. Am I crazy? Or is your head really small? About the size of a KFC spork. <laughs> so the cells kind of weirdly know what they should be becoming and, and when to stop growing and that. So Michael's done an experiment where... You cut off, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and, and really all of the experiments start with the phrase "you cut off." <laughs> you cut off the tail and a leg, <laughs> so that what I like to call the double whammy <laughs> of, of your salamander, and yeah. then you graft the tail on where the leg should be, and it will gradually turn into a new leg. <laughs> I won't fuck off. I'll fuck on. No. It will turn into a leg. I I mean... I mean, I bet he goes home in the evening. He's like, oh, you'll never guess what. (laughs) Mrs. Levin, (laughs) (laughs) guess what I did today? Uh, So so effectively, the cells, like, it's not just that they, you know, it will grow to the right size. It's that they, they know to completely alter their structure to be more appropriate to their position on the body. That's insane. It's totally insane. So you want to find the instructions. Like, how is that happening? I guess that's what he's trying to do. That, that is what he's trying to do, and we will come on to that. I mean, this kind of uncontrolled... I mean, it's carefully coordinated, isn't it? But like in Deadpool, mm. he has cancer, yeah. and it's just sort of everything growing out of control. I'm, I'm the, surely there's a problem with sort of cells receiving the wrong instructions. Yeah, and, and there's a slightly intriguing feature of salamanders is that they don't seem to get cancer. And you want to know how we work that out? Uh, in, the, in the 50s, when really, like, anything was going, oh, yeah. um, they, 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 were pump, they were just pumping them full of carcinogens, like coal tar. Oh, uh, nice. And the salamanders were just able to kind of tame the tumours. And, and get the, like, effectively, not just tame them, but get them to behave like normal cells again. So the cancer cells, you know, the, the problem with cancer cells is they, they've they stopped behaving uh, according to the normal sort of patterning cues of the body. Yeah. And there's uncontrolled growth. Yeah. And what the salamanders seem able to do is to get those cells back in check, like get them back in line and be like, oi, you, naughty cells. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. And they stop it. Whoa. So, so, uh, so on that basis, yes, I do feel okay with Michael carrying on experimenting on these yeah, salamanders no, because it's telling us stuff that could be incredibly beneficial. I mean, it could change medicine, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I didn't just get the cure to L cancer. I got the cure to L everything. All right, so so limbs, yeah, fine. Uh, a bit of scarring in the organs, fine. What about the brain? Can we do anything there? Okay. Now, you are sitting down, and it's good that you're sitting down, because I'm about to tell you something that you are not going to believe. Planaria that Michael mentioned, yeah. these kind of these flatworms, 
weird looking little things actually they look a bit like a sort of outline uh drawing of a dick um but with <laughs> uh, with cross eyes <laughs> genuinely that's so weird <laughs> um and they're having a fairly miserable time because they are the absolute kings of regeneration yeah. so you can cut a planaria into 280 pieces i think is the record and it will regenerate a new planaria for every one of those pieces. <laughs> every one. Now, bear in mind that the planaria is not a simple structured organism. It's a complex organism. Yeah. It has a brain. It has, it has other organs. Like, it, as, as Michael said, it's got uh, bilateral symmetry. It's a proper thing. And it's still able, and that's before we even talk about the fact the thing is fucking immortal. <laughs> like no one, <laughs> no one's ever found an old one. <laughs> like this, they just keep regenerating. And also, it's a funny thing. I was reading it, and they were saying, "Well, we think they're immortal, but I mean, how do you tell? Like, yeah. how do you work that out? Like, it, we've never seen one die and just keeps on going. Well, like, they're having a good go at killing them. They are, they? and they can't. But the really the the thing that it floored me, absolutely floored me, is if you train a planaria to respond to whatever like uh light so a bit of habituation which you can do yeah and then you lop its head off right so it's lost its brain yeah it will regrow its head and brain oh no and remember no what you taught it (laughs) how the fuck is it doing that you've cut its head off it doesn't have a brain. It regrows its brain. It has the memory. I, I, I've just, I, I don't know what to say. I do not know what to say. They it's are, like magic, isn't it? Yeah, but it is because they're storing memories outside of the brain. So everything that we know, we think that we store our, you know, that all animals store their memories in, in the brain because how else would they be doing it? Yeah. And yet this little planaria has got something to say about it, which is, that's not how I'm operating. Whoa. I know. I just, yeah. Okay. It's, be- it's one of the best things I've ever read. I, re- <laughs> re- I read it about 15 times. I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Have I not understood this? That's no wonder you were messaging me over the weekend. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. That's amazing. Insane. All right. Absolutely insane. All right. So so can we figure all this out, like, say, on salamanders, just, like, find the genetics of this kind of thing and and work out how to unlock the potential of this? Well, last year, uh, a team at the University of Kentucky mapped the genome of a salamander, which is massive, so it's, like, ten times the size of a human. But as Michael told us, that isn't necessarily going to give us all the information we need anyway. Recently, the genomes of the salamander have been mapped. And the thing about genomes is that while they're certainly extremely important and provide really, really valuable information for this work, they are not by themselves sufficient because the information that is in the genome is simply about the hardware of the system. That is, the genome tells you what proteins are going to be present in the tissue and in the individual cells. What it does not immediately reveal is how the cells bearing those proteins are going to cooperate and solve uh, this kind of uh, complex problem, which is to know what's missing, what needs to be rebuilt, and how to do it. Having the genetic information is just step one. And after that, there's a lot of hard work uh, by people in the developmental biology, regenerative biology, and bioengineering fields to synthesize that information together with physiological and biophysical data, looking at how the cells actually carry this out. Did you really think there was a cure for that? What? No. No! 
So, you mean to say, after all this, you can't fix me? It sounds even stupider when you say Like the kind of stupid who admits he can't do the one thing I'm keeping him alive for? I think that in broad terms, it should be absolutely possible for us to regenerate limbs and various other organs. I don't think there is any fundamental reason why that cannot happen. There are lots of barriers for us to overcome. There are barriers uh, locally to the wound, such as inflammation and scarring and things like this that have to be dealt with. But overall, the problem will be cracked once we really understand what are the signals that induce cells to rebuild specific structures. So once we understand how to deliver the signals that cause cells to do what they already did once during embryonic development, which is to build a limb or whatever other organ, and we need to perfect the technology for delivering that signal, for example, wearable bioreactors or some other kind of uh, technology that uh, will enable us to deliver that signal to the cells. But I, I, I firmly believe that in the future, this should be possible. All right, so we've been studying regeneration processes that are natural yeah. in these animals. So can we transfer that? Is there a way to kind of kickstart regeneration in animals that aren't good at this kind of thing? Yeah, because you're relying on the fact that, and, and it is amazing to think of it, that obviously somewhere in our bodies or in any animal's body, it does know how to grow a limb because it's done it, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just how do you unlock that information? How do you free that up again? Yeah, because we haven't thrown it away, have we? I mean, no, no, it's, 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 just being, it's just being inhibited. So uh, again, it's, it's all Michael. All him and his team do do everything good in his area, it seems. Um, they got a species of this African frog that has not great limb regenerating powers. So if they lose a leg, they'll they'll regrow like a sort of like a rank little cartilage spike. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, not, you know, I mean, it's not awful, but it's not great. Like yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's not what you'd want if someone said, "Oh, you've lost your hand. No, no problem. Yeah. We can regrow you a little cartilage." Yeah, spike. yeah. <laughs> like, the other frogs aren't saying, "Oh, yeah. nice work." <laughs> not really. Um, but they they use this thing called a, a bioreactor, and it, you you sew it over the wound immediately after amputation. It contains this gel with a hormone in it, actually progesterone, okay. which is obviously we know as a female sex hormone, but also yeah. has a sort of role in uh, the repairing of wounds. Um, this little box that then delivers the gel over a period of sort of 24 hours produces a, a load of tissue regrowth and almost like coaxes the frog into regrowing a not quite like a full leg, but a uh, a wider sort of paddle structure that's got bones, got nerves, got uh, blood vessels, no foot, but still. <laughs> right, okay. Like you, you've encouraged it with a hormone to do something that is more akin to full regeneration. It's a start. Yeah, it is a start. And so there is a possibility that if we, you know, if we develop these bioreactors at some point, if you do lose your leg, and obviously, fingers crossed, then you better whack that on and get yourself a new one. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So when he's talking about figuring out those signals, uh, yeah. telling the cells what kind of structure to build, we need to get into that, don't we? We need to unlock that. Yeah, so what Michael thinks it is, is there's some sort of bioelectric code. So signals which in embryonic development 
and, and in regeneration are telling cells where to go, what type of cell to be. The goal is obviously to then work out what triggers the make a limb signal, for, for example, as yeah. opposed to it getting overridden. And bioelectricity is kind of, it, it's really interesting because we, when you think of bioelectricity and like communication between, electrical communication between cells, you immediately think of neurons and the brain. Every biological cell has a voltage that will change according to the amount of charged atoms, so ions on either side of the membrane. Yeah. So you get these electrical potential differences and therefore you get information can be passed across through current flowing yeah. effectively. Yeah. yeah. And we'd always kind of thought that those communications between cells that weren't in the brain or weren't in the nervous system were just really basic, like, you know, housekeeping stuff so you know bring us some more sugar or or whatever yeah Uh, and now it seems that actually there's much more information being imparted there than stuff that we've maybe overlooked in the past so you know potentially the information about anatomy is contained within this bioelectric code and at the minute we're nowhere with it but we have we have absolutely no understanding of what that bioelectric code might be but we're looking to try and get into it. Oh, I bet we are. And for example, you immediately think, oh, hang on. So if there's this bioelectric code that we've been overlooking, maybe that's where the planaria are storing their memories. memories. Yeah. Like, like, why not? And that immediately made me think, hang on a minute. Is that what plants are doing? Because we have no idea how plants are storing memory, but we we saw in our Daily Triffids episode that they, they are yes. somehow. Yeah. They have no nervous system, they have no brain, so we're like, well, they can't store memories. But if they've got a kind of bioelectric code within their cells, and their cells aren't that different to animal cells, to be honest, then that could be where they're storing it. Whoa. And I just had that thought on my own. Wow. I was quite pleased with myself. Don't tell Michael. He'll take it over. No, I'm going to tell uh, Professor Monica Gagliano. Oh, uh, yeah. The the, the plant dropping lady. (laughs) I think she'll like it. Yeah, I think she will. It makes sense. She'll be grateful, yeah. Yeah, she will. And I'll I'll just get a little credit in there. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to our old friends, the planarians again. (laughs) So if you lop off the head and the tail of the planarian, then they would normally just regrow a head and a tail. Yeah. But what Michael, as ever, <laughs> did is he put them in a sort of chemical bath that would inhibit some of the iron flow. So it would inhibit some of the bioelectric signals yeah. that were happening. Uh, and as a consequence of that, instead of growing back a head and a tail, they grew back two heads. Oh. So you've got a double-headed planarian. Right. What that tells you, uh, Michael thinks, is that the bioelectric code is definitely involved in instructing the cells what they should be doing. Yeah, so he's kind of hacked it. Yes, that's exactly right. He's hacking into the bioelectric code. So he doesn't really know what he's done, but he knows he's inhibited something and that has produced an unusual result. Yeah. Now, what is much, much spicier, I would argue, is that then you take your two-headed worms and you hack off the... (laughs) I was going to say, let me guess. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Always you hack off. You hack off both the heads, not in a chemical bath, no no inhibition. What happens, do you think? Is it regrowing a head and a tail or two heads? Oh, so it will be... It will have the memory of having had two heads and regrow two heads. It does regrow two heads. Oh, yes! Now, the really spicy thing about that is... It's doing that 
because something about it does remember yeah. that that's what it had. Yeah. But it can be nothing to do with its genome. No. Because there is no... Oh, my God. There, there is no genomic alteration at all. So like there's some data that. inside that thing that says, I am a two-headed yeah. worm. Yeah. And if I lose anything, I'm to make sure that I've got two heads. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Do these things feel any pain when you hack bits off? Do you know what? With both the um, the planaria and the axolotls, yeah. there is no mention of pain or discomfort. I can kind of see a, a great line of toys for Christmas, which is your planarian worm. Yes. And you give it, you know, it's a Christmas present. And right. then you just like, you can sever whichever bits you like and make, <laughs> oh <my God>. right. <laughs> make new kinds of worms and like post them on Instagram or whatever mm. and just, you know, have fun with nature. Happy Christmas from Science-ish. <laughs> so a rundown will we ever be able to regenerate limbs i i thought that the answer was just going to be no to this and i think the answer is definitely yes in our in our lifetime Hmm. not in yours (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i don't know i don't know yeah I, th- I mean, the the thing about the bioelectric code that seems to be yeah. the, the the pivotal thing here. If you could God just get that, how you? Yeah, but I mean, that could take forever to crack. It could do, or know. it could be an overnight yeah. thing. Yeah, but Michael's definitely working on it. And yeah, he, he he knows what he's up to. Yeah, and there's an infinite supply of axolotls, isn't there? Well, not quite. No, thank you though, axolotls, for your fine work. Yeah, yeah, and planaria. Yeah, they're amazing. They're probably listening. <laughs> with both heads <laughs> Science Ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me Rick Edwards and Dr Michael Brooks the producers were Cormac McAuliffe and Eli Block sound design also by Eli Block and special thanks to Professor Michael Levin if you like the show please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast thank you it does help you can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish I mean, this whole thing started, didn't it? Because I I was told I might yes. lose a leg. Yes, yes. Which I still, uh, I still don't believe, but go on. Well, I, so I fell off my bike, uh-huh. scarred my leg, managed to get a skin cell infection, so I got cellulitis. Yeah. So it swelled up, went really red, and basically started spreading up my leg. Swelled up and went really red. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> and uh, I was told that if it goes above the knee, you've got to get yourself to hospital super quick mm-hmm. and get antibiotics to deal with it mm-hmm. because um, otherwise you'll just they'll just have to amputate that story sort of boils down to uh, <laughs> I was told I might lose my leg and then I didn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not great is it <laughs> but it did lead to this episode didn't it yes but, uh, so thank you very much uh, for your horrible red swelling leg <laughs>